This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When you want the best, you have to act fast, especially when hiring for your business. You want to find the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds top talent fast. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, and welcome to Memory Lane. I'm Jen Brister. And I'm Kerry Godleyman. Each week, we'll be taking a trip down Memory Lane with our very special guest as they bring in four photos from their lives to talk about. To check out the photos we'll be having a natter with them about, they're on the episode image, and you can also see them a little bit more clearly on our Instagram page. So have a little look at Memory Lane Podcast. Come on, we can all be nosy together. I've, been, I've done about five self-tapes in the last sort of week. Oh, have like, they gone? Who knows? That's Self-tapes are weird. You send them off and then mostly you don't hear anything back. I mean, I've literally never heard back, except for once, which is that one acting job I got. But what is very disconcerting, I don't know if you agree, is when you've done one of these self-tapes. On yeah. Your, on your, it's, I do it on my phone. I don't know what you do. Yeah, yours. I do it yeah, on my phone. On your yeah. phone yeah. And then Google goes... This time, two years ago, and then a fucking self tape comes up oh, as no, a I reminder. Had that. Have you ever had that? And then you're like, no. And then you and I don't because I get those. I, I watched... get the videos yeah. of like this time last year you were wearing this jumper, and then they choose the music, <laughs> and it's like I get polaxed with nostalgia in the street, going, oh, I remember that jumper. But I never get a self-tape. It never gives me... Oh, my God. Actually, Jen, what? I delete them. I delete them. Well, sometimes, sometimes I think I've deleted every iteration of that self-tape, but obviously I've done, yeah. like, 46 takes. And one creeps through, and they'll just be me. And I look at it and go, what the hell's that? And then I make the mistake <laughs> of clicking on it, and it's me talking to camera in oh. character. Oh, you don't want to be haunted oh by an God. old self-tape. Honestly, Especially this... for a job you didn't get. Well... Oh, They're like... It's always a job I didn't get. And, oh, my God, if my teeth could grow firm and start itching, it was... It's yeah. just... Never look at a self-tape. Never look back. Never look back. Always look forward. Like a shark. Mm. <laughs> yeah, totally. No. Oh, they, are, they are a bit unraveling. I do miss, I miss auditions. I miss going in the room and all the chit-chat and, you know, I oh, like that. I don't miss any. I, don't, I mean, I never really did any of that, but I can't imagine missing that. I mean, I'm kind of grateful for the self-tape thing because then I don't have to leave Brighton to go up to do an yeah, audition. Yeah, no, fair enough. To do an audition, which I frankly have no chance of getting, but I'm literally doing it for the experience and then come all the way back again. The... It's annoying for me because all the sort of smug bastards that live in Brighton, it's working for them. But I live in London, you see, so I can pop in. I can pop in for a meeting. Can I pop in? <laughs> Let me pop in for a meeting. Let me. Please, can I pop in? Kerry, you don't like meetings, so don't fucking lie. I like auditions, though, because they're not meetings. They're not like meeting. Let's meet and just chat and just talk about our Shall we things. have a meeting? Shall we have a meeting? <laughs> Would you like to meet? An audition suits my nature because you know what you're there to do. Yeah. You're there to get on with that. And you're and in like, and right. you're out. You're in yeah. and you're out. And they're, they're not... they go, do you want it like that? Do you like it like that? Have you got any notes? And they go, you, you could be less aggressive. 
And then, that seems like a recurring then, note. Yeah. Yeah. And then I go, fine. And then I do it again. <laughs> do you say it like that? <laughs> fine. All right, fine. And then I do it again uh, in a different way. And I give them some options and then I go. But I, I think that there's so this is like a masterclass. This it? is a masterclass. If people are interested, like there might be people who want to do acting, and they're like, "Well, don't yeah. obviously don't look to me because I'm not. I'm, I haven't got any. I haven't got the chops." But you this are is like um. Oh, you are. You could be like, what is it? Well, they do that. The thing. studio. Oh, studio. We carry. Yeah. Yeah. This is what you do. Look them in the eye. Say the lines quick. <laughs> <laughs> and then go home. Tap out. <laughs> Pop into M and S and see if you need any knickers. And a nighty and some socks. Bosh. Then go home. That's Ow. what I miss is when you go into town, you get a few bits. Oh, is that is, that's what you actually miss? It's just shopping. <laughs> <laughs> it's the connection, Chen. It's the connection go, with humans. Yeah, it's about the oh, connection and taking a note and shaping and refining my performance. And I get to pop it to M&S and get a few bits. <laughs> okay, okay. I went in for a Danone advert once years ago. No, Danone. You mean Danon? Mm. Oh, Danon. Okay, Danone. Well, I don't know why I said Danone. This is like decathlon all over again. <laughs> this is like decathlon. This is like Stussy. This is like Stussy. Mmm, <laughs> Danon. Mm. See, I could mm. do that. Mmm, Danon. No, it's in fact it wasn't Danon. It was mmm, Danon. Because it's French. So oh, right. It's French. It's absolutely. Do you say Oliver Bonas or Oliver Bonos? Oh, I say Oliver Bona because I think I'm funny. Yeah, I say Oliver Bona, but I do say. When I'm not talking to someone who's a mate, I say yeah. all of a bonus. But I was, Oliver, I was but doing no one a job says today. All of a bonus. Oh, I do. And then what? I was with a woman today, and she said, "All of a bo- what do you? What is it? All of a bonus." I, I, now you, now you've asked me. I don't know. It's almost like when someone look, uh, Oliver watches bonus. you while you're running and you forget how to run. <laughs> Oliver, <laughs> Oliver Bonas. Oliver Bon. I've, I've never said Oliver Bonas. That's well, insane. what do you say? I say, I, I say Oliver Bona, and I don't know. I know, how but to if say you didn't say Bona, okay, we got Oliver Bonas. Oliver My bonus. friend calls Warehouse Whorehouse, and she has since the eighties. <laughs> okay. I said, "Where'd you get your top?" She went Whorehouse. <laughs> It's so weird. So I say Oliver Boner right. too, but when you're not talking to your mates that find Boner hilarious, <laughs> what do you say? Oliver Boners. Oliver Boners? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I, I think I Oliver genuinely Bonas. say Oliver Boners. I say Oliver Boners. Actually, anyway, Oliver, Bo- what- Oliver Boners actually makes sense. Oliver, Oliver Bonas. No, wait a second. Oliver Boners or Oliver Bonas? I say... I say Oliver Bonas, but I was with a woman today who said she got a thing from Oliver Bonas. 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 No, Bonas. No, no, Bonas. I'm, I'm with you. So Bonas, not Bonas. I wouldn't say Bonas. It's a bit like Bono and Bono, isn't it? Oh, I've never heard anyone say FOMO. What? No, it's FOMO. I'm not talking about FOMO. I'm talking about Bono. Oh, I was talking about FOMO. Jesus. I thought purposes. you meant FOMO. I no one says FOMO. FOMO. No, it's no. FOMO. No one says no one FOMO. Says Bono either. They, they say f- Bono. Yeah, but some people say Bono. Well, who? I mean, I did for years. I called him Bono <laughs> for ages. And then somebody went, his name's not Bono, it's Bono. And I was like, is it? I think it's Bono. Oh, God. I oh, genuinely God. thought his name was Bono. I don't even remember what we were talking about, but it felt like it was more, I can't remember. more interesting Sorry, than this. it was this. me I interjected with Bono. It doesn't matter. We've got to let this bit go. Okay. Right. Have we started? Joel's <laughs> like, yes, we've started. This um, is it. 
I've had a glass of wine and that's why this has gone rogue, this whole conversation. Just so you know. <laughs> you had a big weekend, didn't you? Because it was your kid's birthday. Yes, they're nine. So that's, that's big, quite, isn't it? That's, that's quite, quite big. big. That's, big. It's, that's the last year of single figures and we we feel sad about that. And then they're going to hit... Why? And, because then, then it'll be double figures and then there'll be and adolescence and then they'll be, they'll be like shouting at us oh and Christ, saying... you're just wishing, wishing it away. I'm well, not wishing don't... it more. That's the opposite of what I'm wishing. I'm going, I, I, I'm just trying to hang on to these moments. Of... I know, but you can't, you can't. Do you hold their shoes and things like that? Chloe does. Mm. I, I, that bit of material that you've got where you talk about how you've kept all their teeth and you've yeah, got... Yeah, yeah. And then you can, she, you can actually, her. you can make a voodoo doll out of your kid. She yeah, does that. absolutely. We, we've, we could do the same. <laughs> Bits of hair, teeth. I don't know. I, get, I find myself saying things like, this could be our last summer as four. And it's really dramatic. <laughs> and the kids don't know what to do with it. They're like, okay. What? I know, but there's something there's something in you as a parent where you, you're all, Let's I'm, hold this forever. I'm grieving something that hasn't happened yet. They're nine. I know. This is our last year of single digits. <laughs> I know, but it's like that, isn't it? You get all sentimental and like mawkish about stuff that they're like completely they don't care and then the phone joins in sending you little videos do you remember when they were single digits that's what the phone does now sends me montages but what it does that spores montage is like lovely pictures of my children and then just me doing a self-tape yeah (laughs) maybe i should keep those self-tapes in to remind me So I've got a full, I've got a full 360 view of what my life is really like. Oh, look, we all went to the beach together and had a lovely, eh, this is another self-tape you didn't get. <laughs> I like, I like the sound is of a sort of um, aggressive fart. Eh. <laughs> That's, eh, this is me self-taped. That's how I feel my, my self-tapes arrive in the inbox as like an aggressive <laughs> fart. People are like, oh, can't even look at that. Delete. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, who, who are we talking to? We're, we're talking to Aisha Hazarika today, oh, who I love. We love, we both love, and we've both known for many years. Many uh, years. In her first I, iteration as a stand-up comedian. Yeah. I um, I did a, a, a documentary for Radio 4 and narrated it, and they put together loads of archive and stuff like that. Anyway, the point being is it made me very nostalgic for, you know, when I started out. And the point I'm trying to get to is that that's when I met Aisha I met Aisha through funny women and yeah. uh through that whole time started around 2003 2004 going up to Edinburgh with her and hanging out with her and being new acts together and yeah she's great she is great and also what an absolutely what career. incredible career that she's had yeah um and this was so much fun to record because it was just the three of us hanging out and having a, like a little mini reunion. And so here it is. This is Kerry and I talking to Aisha Hazarika. Comedian, broadcaster, politics pundit, writer, presenter, it's Aisha Hazarika. Hello. Did we get all your credits right? Think just about. I mean, like, I mean, I'm probably, I mean, I'm sure author. Have I left stuff out? Probably. Juggler. Juggler. <laughs> Mime artist. You have got a very eclectic CV. But it's also, it's, it's one of those things, it's probably because I've not, not mastered any one of them. You just like I, have a go at a lot of different things agree. in life. Just, <laughs> I'll have a go at that. So yeah, so we met in the comedy world and the comedy yes. circuit. But prior to that, you were already working in politics, weren't you? Yes, I was. I had this career in where I had started off 
as a, yeah, I was a civil servant. So I was working in different government departments. I was like a government press officer and I had this weird like double life. So during the day, I'd have like a little skirt suit and heels on and I'd be like traipsing around, (laughs) being all very corporate and briefing the press. And then at night, I'd sort of go and change into my like skanky jeans and a t-shirt and meet a carload of comedians somewhere at the end of the line and drive off to like Manchester to do a gig. And I was doing this like two, three times a week. So I had this kind of weird double life for a long time. Yeah, yeah, because your job was like, I mean, I was temping. So my, I did not care about my job at all. But you I remember you actually liked your job, but you were also doing stand up. Like you were, because you were always really passionate about politics. So when you went back and you were like, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to invest in this. I'm going to do politics. It was like, it made complete sense. Mm. But I don't know how you did that because it was so exhausting gigging and working. And everybody was only counting the days before they could give up their day job to go full time in comedy. But you were like, I actually like my day job. I did. I had this weird situation because you're totally right. I loved both the things I was doing. I loved Mm. doing stand up Mm. most of the time. I loved, (laughs) I loved doing stand up and I loved my day job. But in a way, I think that the fact that I liked them so both, liked them both so much was very energizing. It was actually quite positive because, so like my day job was really full on and it was pretty tough because you're, you know, a press officer dealing with loads of crap stuff in was the press. Was this when Labour were in government as this well? This is when Labour was in yeah. Um, government. Yeah, yes, it was. God, I had, to, I had to really think back through the wow. hours of time. I mean, that there. feels I was like, like, a, like wow. a, a different yeah. universe, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I was just sort of thinking back to sort of medieval times <laughs> and things like that. You know what I mean? I was just like thinking, wow, 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 wow. Did we have teeth back then? <laughs> yes. <What happened? laughs> we did have a toothless then, just penis. FYI. <laughs> We've always had smartphones. Like people just eating mud with their hands, which is where we are post Brexit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you know what I mean. That's I think where we're ready are. for a Labour government again. But yeah, I, I just had this sort of weird thing because I really enjoyed my day job, but it was really full on. And then going off and doing these gigs in the evening because it was so completely different, and it was a totally different type of stress. You know, going on stage and trying to make people laugh. Yeah, it was actually quite good because I never stressed about my work because I just didn't have the capacity to. And then if I had a bad gig which happened quite a lot, to be fair. I didn't really dwell on it because the next day at work brought all kinds of interesting new sort of stresses. So I was super busy, but I was kind of weirdly quite zen. I was quite sort of stress-free because the stress of the other thing kind of cancelled. It yeah, kind of cancelled it out. What, what did become tricky was because I was in the civil service and they were very strict about stuff. You know, my line manager was really... And I was starting to do more and more things, so I was gigging more. Yeah. And I started to do like a few bits and pieces on TV and things. And then um, my line manager was sort of saying to me, oh, this is really not compatible because you're, oh, really? you know, you're, you're not meant to have any sort of public profile. And that's when I kind of probably thought, right, I'm going to have, if I'm going to give something up, I'm probably going to give up. But then I, a great what? opportunity. Comedy or well, politics? Politics. But then this great opportunity <gasps> well, came along. Because yeah, that's the thing. In the end, it was this, it was the opportunity that dictated which yeah. way it was. So I, was I got this weird job up. offer that came through just at the right time to go and work for a big record company, EMI. And the guy who ended up hiring me because he loved the fact that I did stand-up comedy, he thought it was absolutely amazing. And of course, it was very artistic and everyone had a side mm. hustle and things. So that sort of gave me an out from the, the sort of civil service. And I did had this great two years. Where I was doing loads of gigging and started to do loads of TV and radio stuff and then was working for EMI and it was amazing. I do remember that time. So where does you advising Miliband and all that fit into the... So that kind of came about around 2007 um, where Tony Blair stepped down, Gordon Brown became Prime Minister and Harriet Harman became Deputy Leader of the Labour Party and she was looking for advisors so I, I applied and got the job. 
And that was after the EMI times. That was after the EMI. And what was so funny about that is everybody was like, and I took a bit, because EMI was really well paid. It was like a dream, it was like <clears> literally <throat> a dream gig. It was a kind of, when I look back and I kind of pinch myself, yeah. I was like dead young on this great salary like getting job. flown out to the Grammys first class and oh my God. like going to New York to see gigs like it was nuts it was, uh, plus I had this boss that I'm let me I'm stuck on the A1 are you sure <laughs> you're in a ginsters crying <laughs> on your way back <laughs> from Halifax always crying Kerry always crying <laughs> I had this like, great time and then I, got, then I took this job to work for Harriet Harman I took, I'd take a massive all my friends were like are you mad you're taking a massive pay cut to go and work for somebody in the Labour Party and also the condition of me going to work for her she's like, she was like you've got to stop all this stuff she was like, you can't wow, do it. Wow, and you did it. Yeah, you I were did. like, yes. But do you know, but do you know who gave me really good um, advice about it? Because I was really torn. Ian Stone, our comedy. Oh, I remember having a really, like, I was really soul searching about what to do. And I remember speaking to Ian and I was like, I've got to take a pay cut. And Ian, I also remember Ian saying to me, do it. He was like, it's not a life-changing amount of money. Yeah, it seems like a lot. It's not life-changing. And you will have an amazing experience working in politics. Like, whatever happens, it would be an amazing He's experience. Right, and he right. was so right. Aisha, I'm going to look at this first photo of you, which, by the way, firstly, I absolutely adore. You, you're really rocking the Deirdre so Barlow look there. <laughs> so um, cute. You are so... Free the Deirdre Rashid one. <laughs> So super, super cute. Tell us what tell us what we're looking at here. <laughs> Those glasses it's, are incredible. I mean, They're absolutely amazing. brilliant. It's a sort of Sue Pollard. Sue kind Pollard. Of like, Timmy just, Mallet. It's, it's, it's a strong look. It's a whole thing. I just like it's it, it just like it's completely like ridiculous. So hang on, I'm just actually trying to I, I'm actually hang on, let me just actually find the picture. I think it's like I've seen. Should we read that? Because it's obviously from a photograph. This photo from August 9th, 1991, features Aisha Hazarika from Drumpelier. Is that how you say it? Drumpelier, yeah. In Coatbridge, as she interviews Provost Edward Cairns in his office at the municipal buildings. Aisha was looking to pursue a career in journalism and spent some time in the advisor's office. In the advertiser office. Oh, in the advertiser office. So this. Is the auspicious pages of the Courtbridge Advertiser. Wow. Oh, I see. Got it. Courtbridge Advertiser. The Courtbridge is just sort of like outside Glasgow. It's where my dad had um, a surgery. Uh, his doctor, obviously. And um, I remember I was like desperate to be a journalist. Like I had two big ambitions in life. Two big ambitions. One was to marry Rick Astley. Ah, oh, that's a dream. How's that going? It's work in progress. Like, <laughs> you haven't shut the door on yeah, that, man. Yeah, listen. Never, listen, still never, in play, right? Never going to give him up. <laughs> she did say, yeah, never going to give exactly. you up. Exactly. You told me and what to do, Despite, Rick. you know, and that, that is in spite of a restraining order. <laughs> that dream is still alive, Rick, if you're listening. <laughs> so that was... Now the, his lyrics have really different resonance. <laughs> Like the stalker's manifesto <laughs> night vision goggles just <laughs> waiting and the so other ambition the other was to be a journalist and to and and basically to work in news that was that they were the two things i wanted to do in in life and i remember saying to my mum like my mum was like what what do you want to do and she's like you can you can do really bad anything she's like aisha what is it you, want? you can do anything anything and i was like anything she's like anything and i was like 
I want to be a journalist. And she was like, no, you can be a doctor, <laughs> a lawyer, or an accountant. Except now, you, you know, because of Rishi Sunak, or prime minister. <laughs> like, you know, because Rishi Sunak has ruined it for loads of South Asian immigrant kids. Like, the bastard, you know what I mean? Like, we're having a very hard time with our parents right now. <laughs> like, if he can do it, you can do exactly. it. Exactly. My mum's like, don't talk to me about Sajid Javid. What a loser. <laughs> 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 How old are you in that picture? God, uh, let me just... Uh, God, I can't... I 16? Be, can't be... Were you, you at 91? school? What year were you born? 1975. Oh, you're the same as me. So you'd be like 16. Yeah, 15, 16. You look nine. You look... <laughs> <laughs> it's the glasses. They're very... They're very beautiful. Beautiful. You can't really see like... your face. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm so blind that you the glasses like... are so magnified. You can only see two bits of my... My eyes are like two tiny pinpricks, basically. Are you like... pinfold? I do. It's I look like some sort of nine or you look 95. I can't figure <laughs> out. <laughs> How do you get? How do you even get into journalism? Do you just sort of keep applying for jobs, or do you like have to you write think something? That this opportunity sell? in this photograph would have been a good call on card. <laughs> That's an in. I was like, I don't know if you've seen. I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you got that in a lanyard? I mean, put that in a lanyard and turn up to like Westminster. <laughs> Hello, Kerry, <laughs> you're obsessed with lanyards. Kerry thinks you can put anything in a lanyard and it'll get you through. Sorry, it's mate. access all areas, isn't it? I'm VIP. Have you not seen my lanyard? It's like tried that with Ragastly, and it like. I came close. I came close. I think the thing with me, I take a long time to get there, but I do eventually get so, there. So, Rick, if you're listening, you can run, but, but you cannot. Yes. Please call Aisha on five five five. She will find Rick, you. Don't resist anyone. We've only got a certain amount of time left. Just why fight it? <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 40%. Up to 40% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Let's go to the one that the youth won. Oh, this is a really... Is this no- with all the fruit t-shirts? Yes. This is a great right. one. I love... What have you got on your... What have you got on your... T- <laughs> what have you got? I like that everyone's got one fruit, but you're like, no, two on the tip. <laughs> well, of course, I've got my melons on, haven't I? Basically, this is a picture of... Um, so these are some of my lovely, lovely, lovely dear friends. And we... So when I was growing up, 
I was like a massive square. I don't know if the Deirdre Barlow glasses gave it away. I don't know if that was like any kind of clue. So I was massive square. Like, was, I mean, growing up in my parents' house was like a frigging hostage situation. Do you know what I mean? I was hardly allowed out the house. I was hardly allowed to really? do it. And so strict. And really strict. Really strict. It was like an academic hostage situation. I was like chained wow. to a radiator for like most of my life. So then I fled the scene very quickly as to soon as I could. To go to university. And then I come down to, to London. And just have this, I think I just had this absolute like ex- fun explosion in my early 20s yeah. and like late teens and, uh, and uh, well, particularly the early 20s and I got to London. And I had these amazing like group of friends who are in this picture. And we, you know, when you just look back on your youth and you're just like, I'm so glad I didn't waste any of it being productive or like trying to work hard. I just had a good time when I moved to London. Do you think that's because you had worked hard and you'd done all that? So yeah. you deserved and you knew you deserved and to I have think some I fun. knew I think I needed it for the development, you know, as a human being. Yeah, sometimes you need to go through that stage so that then you can go, right, I've done that and now I'm gonna focus on like you can spend your thirties going, right, what what do I want to do next? What what's... because also if your teens, like your you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, those, that's also a really important time for you to go out and be silly and get boyfriends. And you and, weren't allowed. And and go to the cinema with mates or go to the pub when you're not allowed or whatever. Do all of that stuff. So when you can't do that, because my mum was the same, she was super strict. So when I finally got to 18, I went berserk. <laughs> By the time I left home, I was just like, you know, <laughs> shots and weed and flipping, you know, like, what, who's going, you, what, are you going to bed at like two o'clock in the morning? <laughs> Loser. You know, like... <laughs> Absolute nightmare. Totally. And totally. I like, couldn't understand what anyone would want to be in. What should we, we, we go Why out? would you go to bed? Yeah. Like, what is I completely madness. resonate with that. And you're so true about that 13. In fact, I mean, I was so square going to that day at the Coatbridge Advertiser was like the best thing that had ever happened. But then, so I come to London, I make this amazing group of friends. And what was great about this picture and why I love this picture so much is like, we had these friends who are all like DJs and they had this um, club night called Fruity. And we just had like the- <laughs> Hence the t-shirts. <laughs> Hence the why we all have t-shirts with a fruit on them. And I, of course, had have melons of on course. my melons. Of course, because why not? Because it's funny. Because <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> I love how literal, literal you are when you're in your twenties. What's it? What's it called? Fruity. Get a of fruit on it. But also, I literally right had look. I had great tits at the time. Right? I'm just gonna. Be, I'm, just and I, I'm just saying they were cracking. I had a cracking rat melons but I was a massive feminist as well so if anyone looked at them I'd be like how dare you <laughs> even though I literally was like look at my melons because I put melons I was like oh, I can't believe that pervert over there <laughs> that is the 90s though isn't it totally We've, we all accepted it yeah absolutely so who are these mates tell us about these mates in the so picture so here I've got uh, my friend Catherine who's actually the first person I met at university after my parents said goodbye and left me and I think I was the same for her and we were just like so grateful to like sent our parents away we are like best best friends and we're still really good friends and that's my friend Jess she's got a little strawberry um she's a great friend she lives up in Northumberland now and then my other friend is Emma wearing a pineapple um and she is a great friend as well I think she just moved to Brighton recently oh great um see the thing I mean it's wonderful isn't it to meet your friends early in those moments in one's youth and go right we potentially could be friends for life that's so chancy do you know what I mean? There's so much luck involved. So, you know, that's not everybody's story. And it's so lovely when it is, you know, when you get to luck out and meet some of your fr- what you know are going to be your friends for life in those early parts of your 20s. And also what I love about this picture is we're all so like kind of happy and youthful and... You do just, all look really happy. Compared to people 
that age now they're having a really hard time and we were just able to like live like the high life totally yeah no you're absolutely we right. could have like have an amazing weekend on like 20 quid yeah, no, completely. The 90s, the, you know, I was talking about, we do end up talking about the 90s a lot. That is our, know, we're, that's we're the age we're obsessed with but the 90s. But they're what, you, you're right, you could go out and have a very good time and feel fairly safe. I don't, yeah. Now, I, I, I get anxious about kids being safe and blah, blah, blah. And I, I mean, I'd just go out with my mate. I wouldn't give it a second thought. I don't think, I don't know if things are less safe now. I just think because we're, you know, older, yeah. we, we, we have more fear. Like when I was younger, I never really thought, I never thought about going late at night, walking just through the street. Just getting the night bus yeah, home on my I own. Sing me. Yeah. Boring the fuck out of people. All right, babe. <laughs> no, I never did that. That's oh. obnoxious. Oh. Yeah, that's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you're by Fair yourself enough. on the night bus? Fair enough. <laughs> And did you, so your mum wouldn't have had a clue that the minute you left home and you were free, you oh. were just not living the life that she They were just you to like, live. I think they did know and they were horrified. In fact, they, while I was looking for the photos, I was rummaging through a box last night. I found this letter from my, that my dad wrote me, this sort of epic letter from like 1999 about how disappointed <gasps> he was in me. Oh, and about, because wow. I think my finances were all over the place at this point. And he was like, I can't believe, we've never led an extravagant life and look at you now. Wow. So I think they were quite horrified. Because, you know, they're culturally, you know, like immigrant parents, they were like, Immig- my mum's the same. Just find it really like, hard. My mum was like, if you earn a hundred pounds, you save, what can you afford? I go, I can't afford any of it. You save five pounds. That was always my mum was like, you always save. You mm, never, yeah. you never spend to the last penny. Not only was I spending to the last penny, I was spending to the last penny. I was going into my overdraft. I had a credit card. I was like going berserk. My mum was like, you don't spend money you don't have. That's insane. And you always, always, always have money aside in case of an emergency. And I never Ever, you're like, ever, loser. <laughs> but also, they are—they are a different generation. Totally. A different generation. You know, My mum was like, "You, know, you This is insane for you to not have money. Not only not have money, but have minus money." I know. Okay, so Aisha, t- talk us through this next. Talking of hedonism and tits. So this is a this is a day that will forever be like emblazoned in my mind, because at this point in my life, right, a number of things are going on. Um, I'm working for the Labour Party. I'm working for Harriet Harman and Ed Miliband. It's International Women's Day, which is a day close to my heart, and I remember. I was thinking, what am I going to do with my life? So at this point, we're in the run-up to the general election. So there's a general election happening in May. This is March time. And at this point, I'm sort of thinking, right, what's going to happen after the general election? And of course, I was hoping that Labour was going to win the the general election. But of course, I had a kind of slight niggly, but I was trying to to not listen to the niggly, maybe they're not going to win the election. (laughs) We all were. (laughs) (laughs) We ignore those niggles now. We just like, you know, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. And I do remember just having a bit of a sort of like moment of anxiety about like, what am I going to do with my life? And what, what if we don't win the general election? Like what's going to happen and everything? And um, I think I was, I think that thing of having been a performer and then shutting all of that off to be a backroom person, you know, as an advisor. And I, I had liked the job for a long time, mm. but I was definitely feeling that sort of, the big show off was like trying to get out again. I could like feel the sort of, I want to be in the limelight. I want to be doing something myself. So I had this kind of weird day where um, I was with Harriet Harman on this infamous like PR disaster, which was such a disaster. It did actually provide me with a brilliant like comedy show, The Pink Bus. Do you remember The Pink Bus? Oh God, yes. The Pink Bus. Who decided that? Let's not go into that. (laughs) 
Fair Let's enough. Let's not go into that. <laughs> All right, for, for people listening, just 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 to recap the pink bus because so the that- pink bus is an absolute disaster. But the intention was very good. Basically, the entire election campaign and politics is basically run by lots of boys in suits. Basically, politics is run by lots of men in their forties and fifties, and then they have like baby men who are advisors in their suits who kind of decide everything and all these boys look the same and sound the same they're all called bob tom or simon and that's how politics works basically <laughs> that's okay? a bit of insight isn't so it that yeah, is like a total know. thing so like any women's issues are like nah, women's issues nah. so like let's get a pink bus out but the thing was like it so we ended up having this situation where like you know we we're trying to sort of have these conversations about having a serious conversations about child care or kind of care for the elderly or you know you know all this kind of stuff and we were just getting nowhere so we got to the stage where they sort of kind of ended up kind of patronizing Harriet Harman who I worked for and she was a very very big feminist brilliant brilliant woman great politician great feminist and they said right you, you can have a you can have your own tour but part of that was to sort of get her out the way because she was like nagging everybody about like childcare and all these boring women's oh, things so they were like we'll so give depressing. her our own tour put her on a put her on a bus and then to be fair she did come up with the idea I think we thought this I think this point we were so you know when you slightly lose your mind when you're kind of like <laughs> hitting your head up against a brick wall going women's issues childcare women's issues or, ah! and then she just had this moment of madness she was like let's make it pink oh, <laughs> and no. everybody was like really and she's like yes it'll be a talking point that it she was, was correct it was a talking point I think there was some method to her madness because I think she kind of knew it was going to be so controversial it being pink that people would be talking about it whereas if we had just said we're doing a tour to talk about childcare boring you know what I mean but right, so right. it ended up the controversy around it ended up actually being quite a talking point and we went all around the country in this pink bus and actually we had the most brilliant conversations with women up and down the country about stuff that they really cared about childcare zero hours contracts you know um breakfast clubs at schools you know stuff which is really important but never really gets yeah. into the mainstream of, of politics and um, mainly because um the, the the men pulling the manifesto um are so young and clueless i mean i've got tights older than half the boys that were like writing wow. the manifesto but anyway i remember being on the we were on the pink bus and we went up to brent that day and we walked into this big room and I was with like Harriet Harman, Diane Abbott, Rachel Reeves, all these kind of um, political women. And I was kind of helping organize it all. And I remember walking into this room and I sort of tripped on something. I twisted my ankle and like fell on the floor, oh, right? Aisha. So I'm lying on the ground at sort of Brent Community Centre. And I'm watching all these senior politicians just basically walk all over. <laughs> I'm just like, and I just thought, I just kind of lay there on the floor. The help's fallen over. (laughs) It was literally like that. I think Diane Abbott glanced down at me and she's and then Harriet, Harriet didn't even notice it was man, woman, done. People were standing on my face. I've got like heel prints on my face at this point. It's just, um, and I just lay there and I thought, is that what it's like to be an advisor? They're like, they really literally is. don't give a shit literally about Literally don't give a shit. And I just thought, I think I can do better than this. <laughs> the only way I is up. Like, so anyway, so that's the thing. And then in the evening with my twisted ankle, I went to this big um, thing at the Women of the World Festival and this woman, Jude Kelly, organises it. Amazing woman. She's like the artistic... She was the artistic director of the South Bank Centre. And watched this amazing talk she was doing with Caitlin Moran. I think Stella Creasy was there. All these great women. And then, anyway, afterwards, we went to this sort of like little after party. And I was really quite, you know, 
stressed out about things and that that moment where I lay on the ground getting trampled mm. on by loads of female minister MPs me was like I was like I was having a real like moment in my life and Jude Kelly was chatting to me and she was like you used to be a brilliant comedian she was like I saw you when you did comedy you were great and she's like you've got to start doing that again and I was like I, I can't I haven't done it for such a long time mm. I just couldn't that, that those days are over for me I'm a nobody now I'm just a woman that lies on the floor that, <laughs> that gets trampled on by Harriet Hartman and Diane Abbott that is who I'm a doormat literally I'm a doormat and Jude Kelly goes to me right I'm going to make you a bet and you've got to, you've got to sign up to the bet now if you lose the general election in 2015 you've got to do a stand-up show about your time in politics and about all these men that you have to deal with all the time you've got to tell the truth about what it's like being a woman in politics mm. and I was like Jude I'll shake your hand because there's no way we're going to win, lose <laughs> the 2015 general election oh, because oh, wow. and I'm we going to be working for Ed Miliband and I'm going to be in government I'm going to be leading this great I was going to lead an arts council based in Downing Street it was going to be you're all going to be in it was going to be amazing all going to be amazing God it's like sliding doors it That's is like sliding <laughs> doors it really is it really is bloody bacon sandwich and what did happen bloody bacon sandwich he's a Jew he shouldn't even be eating it like, that's what an annoying thing Anyway, let's move on. So she shook my hand, and I remember Caitlin Moran was there that night and got on like an absolute house, and I'm a real fan of hers. And I remember chatting to her, and she was just like, You've got, you've got to sort of do it, and you've got to be sort of brave, and you know, you've got to sort of. And I just felt this was like, because I love Caitlin, I'm such a fan of hers. And yeah, she's anyway, wonderful. she basically was like, do you want to see my special international day bra? I was like, yes. I mean, yes. She's ripped open her lumberjack shirt and she's wearing this bra. I mean, this is a brilliant photo. It's so good. Her tits have got eyes. So, I mean, and so they should. I mean, were they drawn on before or afterwards? That's what I, I want to know. Drawn on I just I'm now going to draw eyes on all my bras. That is so, brilliant. So funny, so great. And I just ended up getting really drunk with Catelyn Moran and ending up sort of grabbing her by her boob. And but it's a great picture. You just both look like warriors. We look wild. Yeah, you do look wild. You look like women at the end of a very long day. <laughs> you look like women at the end of a long Labour government. Yes. <laughs> and spoiler alert, Labour lost. And you did write the show. show. And you did take it to Edinburgh. And you took it to Soho Theatre. Yeah, and... Did you did you enjoy that going back loved to comedy? It. I How loved did it feel it. going back to comedy? So I was so nervous about it at the beginning. So no, I mean actually one of the other pictures that I was going to choose was like something from sort of doing stand up. But this is a good sort of segue into that. I just loved it. I was so nervous, and Jude Kelly was amazing. So she let me sort of kind of perform it at the Women of the World Festival, and I did sort of a couple of work in progress um, things. And then, yeah, just started workshopping it more. And then, yeah, did it. And it, what year was that that you took it up? To so I did 20? a mini run called Tales from the Pink Bus, which I did in 2016. I feel like you were up there in 2018. I was, yeah. Then I took it again. I, I modified it and turned it into a much bigger show called State of the Nation. And then I did like a full run. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember you being up in 2018 because I'm sure we went out for a drink or something. we did we did and it was great Some because that, it was it was so nice to do that show because it was also really nice to do a full hour like you know when you haven't done that before mm. and to do something which I felt I mean that sounded very Megan and Harry for will you speak your truth it was like a stand-up mm. show which was funny it was really political but also I kind of just said stuff I really wanted to see and yeah. for a lot of women who work in politics they absolutely like I had so many people from all different political parties women who were associated with politics in any way were just like 
this is the most accurate thing I've heard about what it's like being a woman in politics. So I loved wow. it and I won a little award for it. And I was dead proud of it. Yeah, absolutely. So I did like a sort of dip my toe in the water in like 2016. Then developed into like a full show that I could tour in 2017 called State of the Nation. And on the day that I was sort of starting the tour, I was at the Soho Theatre and my agent sort of gave me you know, some quite good, but she sort of, not a bit, a bit of a ride, gave me a bit of a telling off saying, listen, you were really hunkered down. Today's like the first day of your show. Don't twat around on Twitter. Just focus on your show. Turn your phone off and just focus on your show. So I was like, good advice. Mm-hmm. Put my phone away. Literally just focused on my show for like five hours. Turned my phone on, about 20 calls from my agent going, have you seen the news? Have you seen the news? Theresa May just called a snap general election. Oh my God. And my entire opening section had been like, well, there's never going to be a general election. So I was like, shit. Oh. I literally had to do that thing where you have to completely, and that, you know, the beginning of your show is really oh, important yeah. because you've, you've sort of, you've got the rhythm yeah, of it. it you've worked the it. whole oh, it was And it like, sets you up to feel like safe. To, do yeah. you know what I mean? Like so that yeah. you feel safe is exactly the right word. You know, and and, and the audience feels safe because if that bit doesn't work, then they're like the whole time you're like you're, you're catching up with yourself. So aren't she you? needs this agent, right? <laughs> <laughs> if you've got a, a client who's a topical pundit comedian, <laughs> never turn your phone off. Never. <laughs> Don't turn your phone off to work at your audio show. <laughs> never. Someone will call a snap election. It was like that bloody walking holiday, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. This episode is brought to you by the Inspire Collection by Kalia. Just because you're working out doesn't mean you shouldn't look fabulous. The Inspire Collection by Kalia was designed with both style and performance in mind. It looks good, feels good, and stays put no matter how you move. And the collection has everything you need for a day at the gym. A support bra, crop tanks, bike shorts, amazing leggings, and more. It's their most versatile collection yet. Shop the Inspire Collection by Kalia now, exclusively at Dick's Sporting Goods. What's this other picture? Are you being interviewed in this photograph? Ah, right. So this one is a... um, Right, so this is a sort of sentimental kind of moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have spoken about my my dad, who uh, I've not often always had the easiest of relationships with. And he's quite strict and my parents are quite strict. But this is a really, really nice moment. When my dad first came to this country back in the day, like in the late 60s, he ended up in Liverpool 
and he was totally bless him naive like he'd never been out of even his region and area in india let alone you know getting on a plane and coming abroad and this is when the nhs was inviting doctors and mm-hmm. all around the world to come and work in, for, in in hospitals and he ended up in liverpool of all places bless him he did get two job offers he got one in la <laughs> He got really? one in Liverpool. Really? Wow. Why, why, did, he why did he choose Liverpool? I Beatles know. Fan? What does he I say know. about that? So obviously this is pre-Google Day. So he did some he did some exploring with his mates. He looked at a map. He basically said to his did friends. He look he's, at California and go, nah. <laughs> yes, that's basically what's done. So he's spoken to his friends about this and they were like, he was like, Liverpool, California. They were like, California, it's hot. It's hot in India. Big deal. I've done that. They were like Liverpool, the Beatles. <laughs> wow. So basically, my dad ends up. That's why we ended up here. So he ended up in Liverpool, and he came over with his friend Aftab, and the two of them came over, and they were um, being doctors in this uh, hospital on the Wirral called Clatterbridge Hospital, and they had a really tough time there. You know, they got to Liverpool. Um, it was quite a cold climate in in every sense. You know, freezing yeah, cold. Yeah. A lot of people not happy having all these overseas doctors coming. A lot of patients quite racist and didn't want them, you know, to sort of even touch them. Or anything. pretty, pretty tough. And my dad like really missed his family. Really, really missed his family. And probably had moments thinking, "What on earth have yeah, I done coming what here? Am I doing here?" And like also just didn't really know a lot of the kind of cultural codes in this country. So in India, people eat with their hands a lot. That's so didn't really know how to even use like cutlery. And mm. of course, people were really looking down on him and his friends because they didn't know how to use cut- all these kind of things, mm. right? And um, in his ward, the, the sister of the of the ward, the kind of like lead nurse, was this woman called Audrey, and she. I think one day found my dad like having a bit of a cry or just feeling quite kind of lonely and missing yeah. his mum and dad. And she was like, um, why don't you come around to my house for Sunday lunch? And he'd of course never been, had a Sunday lunch in his life. So he went to her house in Liverpool and she became this amazing kind of mother figure to him. She totally, totally sort of took him in and looked after him and his friend Aftab. And was like the absolute antithesis to the people who were being horrible yeah. and hostile. Yeah. She was this incredibly kind, articulate, warm, warm, just so, so, so kind. And she taught things like she taught my dad and Aftab how to like use cut, like use a knife and fork. They had their first sort of Christmas dinner there. They had their first sort of Sunday lunch there. I think they had their first pint there as what? well. Like all these kind of things. And we have ended up having this really lovely, enduring friendship with um, her and her kids and their grandkids as well. So they've sort of became like kind of... Totally. They are totally family. And so I wanted to make this um because i thought it was just a really lovely story it's a really lovely it's really because you hear so much negativity about how people are treated and i wanted to do something that showed that not every that narrative the other britain, the other, the other britain. and yeah. we i think sometimes we've britain. got to top that britain up not just not no, not, right. not to erase the bad stuff or, or to try and hide the bad stuff but actually to show the number of people who have good in their heart is mighty in this country. And we're not some kind of minority. We're not some do-gooding, out-of-touch minority. Yeah. That's actually what a lot of That's people majo- have done. I yeah. mean, I really feel like it is a majority. And I think sometimes in the, the media do like to really lean into 
st- like neg- the negative stories and lean into the things that are wrong with the country or wrong with society. And also, I think in terms of immigration, there is like there's so much negativity about immigration, not just from the media, but also I think in politics at the moment, there's some real fear of being positive or saying anything positive about it. Yeah. And what's been good about it, and that a lot of people in this country like the fact that this is an island. F- that is inhabited by many, many immigrants, of which my mum was one, and your It's an parents. island of immigrants. Well, of course, because I mean, it's, it's an it, island. Yeah. It can only ever be immigrants. It's all we are. It's you know, like, it's just we're not, we can't chapters. close our borders because no. we're a bloody island, no, you absolutely. You know, but those stories, that human story isn't so about... Important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, Audrey used the word, because I said, I think I asked her a sort of question saying, oh, I said something like, it was so it's so lovely that you were so kind to my dad. And she said, it wasn't about kindness, it was about friendship. It was about your dad was my friend. They were mates, they got And on. I thought that was so lovely because it was like, no, I'm not doing charity work here. Mm. He's my friend. They were my friends. We were friends. And that's a friendship. And that's what a lot of people want when they come to another country. Yeah, I mean, sure. And it made me feel really like grateful and full of admiration for my parents and it made me kind of see them in a different light because you know they were really brave I mean I actually don't think I could be as brave as they were I think I'd really struggle to go and just start over somewhere new I couldn't do it that's the thing isn't it is that all these conversations around immigration and stuff like that you just go that just the bravery of it is you know know what is often not included in that discourse really no and I think you know the only thing you can do is, is when you know with our kids and you know with the new generation is to hope that you know that people will that that attitude will you know of of acceptance and inclusion and friendship continue. and friendship yeah, friendship, friendship. friendship. exactly m- and your journalism instincts that were there all along <laughs> but oh. you, uh, there's a story and i want to tell it and you made that happen so that is she lois lane the shit out of that <laughs> I'm not going to say. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know wow. what to say. Because I only got the first uh, four, and then I got this one, and I was like, wow. I saw this picture. This is the first picture I saw. I went, what the actual <laughs> fuck? Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to say anything about this photo. I just want you, Aisha, to talk us through. What are we looking at here? We're looking at me uh, sitting next to a very handsome, young, uh, red-headed chap <laughs> who um, <laughs> is also a recent member of the royal family. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes he's in, sometimes he's out. Sometimes he's in, sometimes he, he's out. He's spare, isn't he? Um, he is. And, uh, his nickname is Hazza, as is my nickname. So this is oh, very yeah! much when Hazza met Hazza. <laughs> the two Hazzas. <laughs> Why are you sitting... Like, right, let's say, it's Prince, it's Prince Harry. What's the context What's of this? What's going on? So weird. Is this this morning or something? <laughs> I knew because I saw you recently at Christmas and you were telling me about you and Hazza. Me and Hazza. So um, I was doing quite a lot of punditry around the time of uh, Meghan Markle, in my view, getting an absolute kicking from the British press and um, the palace treating her really terribly. And I was absolutely disgusted by this not because i'm a massive fan of the royal family by the way Mm. i just thought this is nuts right this is an incredible moment for the royal family having like the first like you know non-white person Mm -hmm. like in 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 the modern times of the royal family coming into the, the royal family this is a moment where the royal family can kind of show modern britain that it's actually a tiny bit more reflective and what happens and then what happened she gets treated absolutely appallingly and basically 
we have the first uh, person of, you know, African heritage in the royal family and we basically hanged her out of the country. I mean, that's basically what happened. Yeah. So I, that's why it was just, I found it very upsetting and what I sort of admired about her and Prince Harry is that they didn't just take it. Like, and I know myself from being in situations where I've probably, like, been treated with sort of discrimination but I've kind of and I say this openly and with some shame I kind of just took it because you know you're trying to make your way in the world and Uh. you sort of think god you know this person's too powerful for me to make a fuss about and they were like no we're, we're, we're actually making a stand about this and it's not okay to speak to her also like they're this. in a I mean for him certainly in a position of extreme high status power yeah you know the difference being between you're not just any one of us that like you saying that circumstance well it's it's you've got more to lose yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) harry's in a very different position and he took that and they they, you know they ended up they did have a lot to lose and you know some people could argue they they have lost because they've been sort of kicked out but anyway at the time i was doing a lot of battle with a certain piers morgan on good morning britain i don't i don't even know who this guy is Who's that? I don't know. I've heard of him. Morgan, Piers Morgan. So he, you mentioned Twitter. Like he was like giving it the big one on Twitter all the time. And I think I, I think I went for him. I went for him and he absolutely went for me back. And I absolutely went back for him. Good for you. And then he he messaged me publicly, messaged me going, right, fine. If you've got the balls, come on Good Morning Britain tomorrow. And, and I was like, fine. Wow. And then, oh, and wow. then his team got in touch. And just to talk about Megan, just to talk about the situation. To, to Good for you, Aisha. So I went on and just like, we had like the mother of all like ding-dongs. On the show. Brilliant. Like, How I was mean, that? What was that like? Stop. It was like being in a boxing match. I don't yes, think I've ever... Because I'm very... I always try and stay very calm. I very rarely get very, very, very hit up. Because normally I can use humour to diffuse the situation. Yeah. Or, I, you know, I always, I never try and get emotional. Like, that's a big and thing. And did you get emotional? Totally. Totally. I I, I just... He, 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 he just... It's the kind of person He's a bully. He's a bully. And he sort of does know how to kind of press the buttons. But also, I just felt like... No way. I just how feel like you? this yeah. is... You know... I'm kind of feeling probably a tiny bit of what she's feeling right now. And mm. it's not okay. No, it's not and it's okay. also, anyway, we just absolutely went for each other. And this happened quite a few times. I think I got invited on quite a few times. We absolutely, like, and I mean properly, properly lost it with each other. Wow. Like properly, properly and lost was it, it with each other. Well, on, 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 t- on, like, you know, live on air or back? Yeah, like on air, like properly. like. And properly. it got personal, it got... I think it. I think it got personal both like on both counts, like really quite personal. And were you talking? I mean, just out of just sheer curiosity about the the, like, were you talking over each other? Like, was oh yeah, it a debate? we were, we're, was we're there... like we were basically just screaming at each other, and oh, you know, oh, and... Oh, how was that? How was that even managed? How did that sort of debate kind of like well, come to an end? Well, they love it. They, I mean, look, I mean, TV at that point as well, like, loves everything. You know, big confrontation, and I don't really like doing that kind of thing. But oh, there was it's something... making my face hot. It, listening was, to I it. feel, I feel itchy. It... <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know how you did this. Anyway, um, some time passes, whatever, and then I get this phone call from basically um, I get a kind of get a contact through a friend saying, I think Prince Harry's office wants to reach out for you, and I was like, oh, that's 
Weird. ridiculous. Yeah. And then somebody sort of rings me from Prince Harry's office, and I was like, this is clearly a spoof. And because, yeah. um, you know, I was thinking, you've got to be really careful, right? Because people do prank yeah, people yeah. and stuff like that. Get, get this. And he is, so he is, it's the first trip back from Canada. Mm-hmm. Everything's very heated because they've just. So left. they haven't actually officially left the royal family at this stage. This is all when it's very raw. Very raw. Yeah. It's all in the process of kind of like they're breaking up. Mm-hmm. And he was coming over to the UK not with her by himself his first trip back and he was um he is part of this group called travelist which is all about doing more ethical traveling and carbon neutral and sustainability and stuff like that and then his office say to me like you know he's he, they were like he's a great admirer of yours and would you host this conference with him what yeah so i'm thinking this is a wee bit weird i still think it's a prank so i get my agents to sort of look into it and do all the due diligence they come back and they're like you know it is actually like prince harry wow. and i'm like what <laughs> what so go up to Edinburgh um, for this conference yeah. and I you know and you know we've all done these kind of corporate gigs and I was like you know did all my research and everything like that and I thought what I'll just do is I'll see him on stage and you know we'll meet on stage and it'll be you know and then they were like oh no 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 you eat, but, but I'm getting ready to you know the day starts I don't know like 11 or something and it's like nine or something we've just done a, a tech rehearsal and they're like now you're going to go and meet Prince Harry I'm like what and they're like, yeah, no, 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 he really wants to, he wants to, he wants to, to meet you. And I was thinking, it'll be like a two minute grip and grin, you know, get a photograph. He'll be like, oh, thanks ever so much. Kind yeah. Of thing. So walk into this room and I don't know what to do, like in terms of curtsying or I do this really sort of like arthritic curtsy. <laughs> <laughs> he did it in his trust. <laughs> what was that? Don't bother. Don't bother Liz, what was that? <laughs> So I do one of those and what's so interesting is like because I just have no idea what to do around a kind of and he just goes Aisha and puts his up and just gives me the biggest hug ever. Like so surreal. You know when someone is so warm, you know nothing earlier about friendship, like I suddenly just felt like I'd known him for ages. He went, he was like, Don't be ridiculous, come here and just gave me that massive hug and I, was I can't like, wait to see this com- episode of The Crown. Completely <laughs> amazing. <laughs> this is going to be it's great. It's going to be amazing. This is going to be its own spin-off. <laughs> it's a spin-off. Yeah. And has him, it has him. Um, and then he... And what did he say to you? Well, then it's like, he said to his team, like, actually, just, you know, just just sort of leave us. And we just had this... Abs- I can't, of course, disclose everything that was said. But the ge- we did have this very, very, very long conversation where he actually said to me a lot of the stuff that did come out in this doc, you know, and what he said publicly mm-hmm. now in the documentary, and in the book. The book. Mm. And he, obviously he had seen all the, you know, rounds that I had done with Piers Morgan. And I think he also was basically just saying, you know, he did say thank you so much for actually, wow. you know. Well, there's not sti- that many people yeah, that, that would have done yeah, his and, back. And he said hers. like, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's been a really unpleasant, you know, it was an unpleasant, a really unpleasant thing for them to do. I know what it's like, you know, when the, the press turn on, you've seen it with politicians. And yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think it kept his ratings very high. Uh, and I don't think like he has But you are brave, Aisha. I mean, that is amazing oh. to go in the ring. <laughs> Several rounds yeah. with someone who's got a really bizarre value system. I mean, it's just like, that's what's scary. And that's why my face gets hot when I hear about this story is because if someone's as amoral seemingly as him, he doesn't care. He'll punch 
above and below the belt. He'll he'll take blows where he shouldn't be taking them. And I think that's what makes me terrified. Like you, people would compare it to say stand up or whatever, but there are rules, and I never feel unsafe. But in that situation, I couldn't account for how I'd be. I'd be like I could cry, I could punch, I could anything could yeah. happen, you know. And you you held yourself and you went in that arena. And you took on that bully, and I think that's so admirable. There are shots of me where I just look like, I, I don't even look human, I look like a snarling beast. You should have got I look like a sort of beast. eyebrow. Fuck <laughs> you! Also, I don't think I can, at one point I say something so rude to him. Like he's, He says something like about, we're talking about people slagging off how Megan is holding her bump. Yeah, and he well, makes some comment. And then I think I say something like, well, you look like you're about your second trimester, you son of a that's funny. That's right now. Are you are you hugging yours, Piers? I'm like after like why did I say that's that? That's what I'd be terrified of. That I no, wouldn't know exactly what I could what I, say. In fact, but at least you, and also you gave him a put down and there were no f bombs in there. I'd be like, oh fuck, I'd totally, break. I'd have just sweared. I swore rather. I'd have just been nasty. I'd, I I couldn't have been able I'd to have control thrown a myself. Cup at him. Yeah, I don't. But I then afterwards, loads of people were like, I think some like some tabloid did the thing about how I had fat shamed Piers Morgan oh, and the God, comments on these guys. Rich coming from her, the salad dodger. My mum and dad, but I was just like, Jesus, I was like, harsh but fair, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, like, so it became something, you know, it ceased to be a sort of a cerebral debate. <laughs> oh, Aisha, Aisha, this has been brilliant. Thank it's you been a delight. Oh. Thank you so much for sharing all those stories. I've what just great had stories. such a lovely time. So, I've had like, I'm like literally welling up. I've just had the <laughs> nicest time. This is what well, people have been saying for years. The only way you get to have these moments is to have a podcast and then to do them. Otherwise, you just won't see each other for another like 10 years. <laughs> well, that was absolutely bloody delightful. Yeah, it's always fun to, to, to have Aisha uh, in your company. And if you want to hear more from Aisha, she's got a show on Times Radio on a Saturday evening, so check that out. She pops up on telly all the time. She's just a wanted, in-demand lady. She is. And also, I know that she's not doing any stand-up at the moment, but I have no doubt that she'll do another one-woman show oh, again at some point. she can't keep away. She, she can't go. keep away. No. If you enjoyed it, why don't you tell your friends? That's what people say. They go, oh, I'm listening to a new podcast. Do they say that to you? They say that to me. Oh, I'm listening to a new podcast. And I go, go on then. Tell yeah. me. And I, people I, put it in their notes, don't they? I get, I've got like a WhatsApp group of recommendations where people are constantly telling me uh, podcasts to listen to. Well, if you have, other people must have. Exactly. So they need to be putting this one in those groups. I, I've recommended this podcast to them on more than one occasion. So. Um, yeah, but you're not. <laughs> you're you're yeah. bias, aren't you? No, I've, I've got, I, absolutely, this is a completely unbiased... Hey guys, just out of nowhere, here's a podcast I recommend to you guys. guys. My one. Guys, I don't know if you've heard of these two women, but I would highly recommend that you're listening to them. They, they have very cerebral chats about <laughs> Oliver Boners. Don't confuse this with self-promotion. It's just, <laughs> I'm just trying to inform you about great things. <laughs> it's a recommendation. You're welcome. 